months, the next six months. This time last year, things were pretty dire. Mm -hmm. And we just experienced this really compressed mega crisis that we've been coming out of. And I think that it, it's good it didn't last for too long. We, we, now's the time to start preparing and making sure that we are able to exit this one well. Even if someone had tried to tell us 20 months ago, 24 months ago, no one was listening. There wasn't a reason to listen. There wasn't a, it's almost like crying wolf because there wasn't a, there wasn't a real catalyst. There was so much kind of belief in the status quo or just like steady, slow and steady wins the race sort of um, mentality that had lasted for such a long time. The other thought I had, and I'm interested in how you experienced this since we were both off on a bit of a vacation, kind of the same time. When we talk about how we're coming out of this and there is lots of optimism, we also have agreed many times over that there are permanent changes to the industry. And I, I here's what I experienced. I was gone for 11 days. For 12 days, I was not on Zoom. And it took me about, and I, I, I don't mind Zoom. I've worked on it for a number of years, worked with teams in India, China, and everything. And I actually to feel connected to people. So I, I, I do opt for I'd opt in more than I opt out as a rule, but it took me a solid seven days before I realized how tired my brain had been and that I I felt rested. Even though we were busy from seven in the morning till midnight every day, I felt rested and I started to feel myself like relaxing and creating again, like these back kind of back lobes of my brain were starting to generate creative ideas again. And I don't know what to do with all that. I don't know how to maintain it's this what we're not talking what i'm not talking about is work life balance it's not about a number of hours worked at this point it's about a way in which i work and how i stay connected to people but also be mindful of what i just learned about myself i'm curious to hear all of your responses to that and also how you felt being away for a little while i am thrilled you brought this up and think we should pivot our entire discussion today to cover this topic you good with that? Yep, 100%. Okay. I'm going to send you a link right now. I'll send it in Slack. Here you go. Because really, the, the kinds of problems we're trying to solve, what we're talking about on this podcast, the work that I'm doing, the, the, very, like, the very macro work that you're doing, this is not stuff that you just hit the clock and work and come up with all the ideas you need. I, we're trying to solve big problems that haven't been solved before. and we need to be sure that we're giving ourselves space to create. Okay, so what I heard you say is there is a, because of this low-grade stress, because we're in this crisis mode that we've talked about, the ability to be open and creative and exploratory gets shut down. There's friction there at a minimum. And when you step out, it takes some time, but eventually you get to the point where you get the flood almost like a, a pressure valve being released and you get in this more sort of creative growth-oriented mode. Is that, mm -hmm. yeah. And it, it, so it's interesting that you bring that up because, and also you said, hey, we don't, we don't just clock in, do something creative, clock back out. The, the minimally viable crisis leadership model we talked about last time was a amalgam of, or a, a continuation of the last 12 months of, you know, journaling and trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And then just now it started to come to the surface. And a lot of that clarity came after being off for spring break. And mm -hmm. you, your subconscious is maybe chewing on it over time 
But once you give, even if you're working hard or you're busy or active, it's just different. It's a different kind of yeah labor. You said that really well. My in my my previous job, I felt like I, I worked ridiculous hours sometimes, depending on the level of busy. You could work 18 hours, 20 hours a day sometimes, usually clocking in around 16. And and when you talk about work-life balance, it becomes, which in and of itself is a, it's a different topic. I, I think it's a bit of an anomaly, but work-life balance is something that's, oh, I just clearly, I just need to cut back my hours. Clearly, I need to prioritize differently so I have less going on. That's not the answer right now. It's not just about Correct. our brains stop working. We're tired and we stop working around six o'clock, six thirty, we're done. And but it doesn't matter how many hours that was. The the way in which we're working is any it leaves me anyway spent, even if it's not an extraordinary number of hours. And that's that was one of my biggest realizations was all of a sudden I'm back to keeping my normal hours. Like I'm ready to rock and roll by seven. I'm in bed at twelve thirty or so and I've been busy all day and I was full of energy. Why? Yeah. And I had a similar experience over spring break. And I mentioned Diane and I had, we went and volunteered at the vaccine mega center. And, and I haven't told you the details about that. Have I? Have no, but I'd love to hear it. Okay. Yeah. And I think this is all related. We, have you been to the state fair of Texas ever? Okay. I've been to the Ohio state fair. I don't know that there's a bigger or better state <laughs> fair than Texas. But maybe there is. We'll see. I've been to Stampede in Canada, in, in Calgary, which claims to be the biggest state fair. Sorta. Oh, really? In all of North America or the world? They Listen, they at least claim it for Canada. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So Texas State Fair is enormous and happens once a year around October. And it is a permanent fixture in the Dallas Metroplex. And so there are things going on at the, on the state fair grounds all year. There's a, a music hall. That's where we saw Hamilton was at the state fair. Cool. There's a botanical garden. Was an aquarium. I think the aquarium might have closed down. My wife's shaking her head yes, so that's probably the case. Lots of things going on. It's a massive like space. The, the Ferris wheel is permanent. It's a permanent fixture. And then they bring all this stuff in when you when, during the, the fair time. So the, the Vaccine Mega Center, there's two that I know of. One is at the State Fair and the other one is at Texas Motor Speedway where all the NASCAR stuff happens. So you can think like massive concrete parking lots, stuff like that. And there's a, so our public transportation in Dallas is called DART. And there's a train that lets off at the state fair. And so what we were doing was there are people, most of this, you stay in your car, you drive up, you have an appointment, you have a QR code on your phone. They write on your window, some cryptic language that lets them know what to do. You drive up, they stick you through the window, basically make you wait for 15 minutes, you drive off. So everybody just stays in their car, constant caravan. But if you don't have a car, how are you going to get vaccinated? And so people would come in on public transportation to this station. We would help make sure they were registered and get them on these charter buses. So there were about 14 charter buses just driving in big circles all day. And that was nice because you it's that dual mode you were talking about. This was all day in the sun, freezing in the morning, got hotter later in the day, lots of wind on your feet all day. I think it was like 12 hours if you do both shifts. And was really tiring, but it was really fulfilling and energizing. You're helping people. In our jobs, we don't really, you know, there's not a life, a health component to it. If we miss a release, it's not a great thing. No one's going to be harmed by it. And here it's like people, they didn't have a camera phone. 
they didn't have internet on their phone. They were just signed up at some church somewhere and they were told to show up on this day and they didn't know what to expect. And it was nice to, maybe their registration wasn't quite right and you could go in and help them get all set up and things like that. And they got in the bus and they got their shot and that was that. And it was one of those things like when I was back, I was much more refreshed when I came back and I had taken time off before, but it, if you're just doing nothing, it's a little bit of a different kind of rest. It's more of a detachment thing. Being detached and active in some other endeavor helps your creativity and openness and energy level when you're back. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because um, I also had taken off you know, a few days here and there, but there was something about this trip. And I was a little nervous about going and what's, and it was very safe. People were very careful, lots of masks, lots of sanitizing, very thoughtfully done. But it was the detachment. It was like my, in every way, pivoted to something else. And I was physically active and intellectually stimulated. Yeah. All sorts of things that were so different from, so I love my job. I love the people I work with. It's like not, it's not, there's not a problem to solve there. It's that so many things we've talked about. This is a brand new space, a brave new world. And managing and leading in this particular time of crisis, this isn't going away at all. The way that we interact with people and help them not just survive, but thrive in an environment that will constantly involve more remote work and all sorts of different variables. So processing through all this. I have a really cool framework to share with you or Do metaphor. It. So this guy, Scott Barry Kaufman, have we talked about the sailboat before? Uh, no, but I know his name for some uh, reason. Yeah. Something so he's like uh, Maslow's 2.0. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's it then. Yes. Modern Maslow. <laughs> he's rethought the hierarchy of needs. Love it. And we come, we work at a company where we you know, rethink and reshape and combine frameworks all the time. And if you're not careful, you can try to reinvent something and it just falls flat. I think this is a really well done rearticulation, nuanced articulation of the foundation of Maslow, like applied in a, on a different lens. Do you have the link cool. I sent you? Do you have that open? Me... Okay, so scroll down to the sailboat image mm -hmm. and I'll talk you through it. Charles showed me this before which I think he's really into this kind of stuff too. It's like idea of well-being. And, Sounds like him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you there? I'm so looking. we have, so take your idea of Maslow's, the hierarchy of needs, and just set that aside for now. We're playing in the same space though. So the idea here is you have a, an image that, and the, the primary part of it is a sailboat. So you have this little half circle at the bottom with three layers. That's your boat. Safety, connection, self-esteem. Okay. Then you have this triangle, this little line connecting a triangle that makes it look like a sail, which has three layers, exploration, love, and purpose. So the idea is if you have holes in your boat, if your boat's sinking, whatever metaphor you want to use, the sailboat analogy is probably more appropriate if you're talking about well-being as an analogy, because Maslow's hierarchy is a, is, it's not really a hill to climb. You're not really at any one stage permanently. You fluctuate. So the idea of a boat floating across the ocean where the ocean can do things to affect you. You're sailing, you can unfurl your sail to move faster, you can close it up to go slower, is maybe a little bit more of a nuanced or appropriate analogy. Nothing wrong with Maslow's, but this is just, again, we're taking another lens on it. So the idea is if you have safety or connection issues or self-esteem issues, you're not going to be able to open up your sail and grow. And the you know, connection is huge, right? So 
that's been a thing. Safety, for sure, especially early on in the pandemic, still a low-grade stress around that. But connection is the main thing that has really hampered us, and that's part of the boat. So you can't fully grow and explore while you have these sort of low boat level issues. There's a couple other things in this metaphor. So the the waves, the bottom part is security. And so that's the idea of you're trying to keep the boat from sinking. Growth is the open air. So the more you unfurl your sail, the more you pursue purpose, love, exploration, the fa- the more growth. And that's really the self-actualization tie in there is the idea is for optimal growth. And then you see the two boats in the background. There's also an idea here that we are on on the, we're sailing around other boats, there are other people around us, and those relationships and interactions matter. And so then the idea is over time to transcend is to experience growth, which is the unfurling dynamic sailboat kind of idea. And exploration is like the underpinning, the driver of all growth. So desire to seek out, make sense of novel, challenging, uncertain events, right? Security is concerned with defense protect and protection. So anyway, what do, you, what do you think about that? This is really interesting. So um, there's a lot to digest here. I really love the analogy. I can grok the bottom as making sense, the safety connection, self-esteem, and all of this wrapping into security and the importance of having those as the boat and not the sail, meaning if there's a hole in any one of those, you're sinking. doesn't matter where if there's a hole in or a dysfunction in exploration, love, or purpose, you're not growing or moving or probably interacting and thinking how a boat works. Like you're not interacting with anyone else unless they are like running into you, basically. I'm curious about exploration being the bottom of the sail with love in the middle and purpose at the top, as opposed to swapping those and having purpose at the bottom of the sail, like purpose as the foundation for growth. And since you're much more familiar with it, then I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, that's a good point. I don't think the order matters. Okay. I could be wrong, but Scott Barry Kaufman is very against the idea of the hierarchical structure. Hmm. In fact, he said that Maslow didn't even represent it as a hierarchy to begin with, Interesting. which I haven't dug into one way or the other. And then you see, I, the, I want to believe him that a pyramid does look like a hierarchy. Yeah, He's I think he might, have been, it. he might have wrote about it in a different way or something. Mm. Like, I'm not sure. He's, I don't know, though. Yeah, that's and, fair. And then I, he, I did buy this book, by the way. That's where I've heard because because you mentioned it okay. to me, I haven't read it yet, but I did buy this just right before I left. Oh, yeah. And, and so one thing that I talked to Charles about, which I thought was interesting, is the podcast that we have, that you and I have, and then that, that me, Charles, and Igor have originally started as a way to increase connection. We're having coffee all the time, pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. You get to this point where you're three months into the quarantine and you've been in isolation. We were trying something out to increase our level of connection, but it's morphed into this idea of exploration where these aren't performances. We're just putting on the microphone and, and having a discussion about what's on our mind and we're thinking out loud and and we're furthering our understanding and development in these areas. And so it's become like a exploration and growth type activity where it was, the genesis of it though was very much around connection and not feeling mm-hmm. isolated. Yeah, I'm reading through, just skimming some of the notes um, here in, in this visual that you sent. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you'll attach it to the podcast so people can take a look. I love this quote. It says, growth is a direction, not a destination. 
And that in and of itself is something that pivots so nicely into all of the conversations we've had about complexity versus complicated, the Kinefin framework. We're not in a a complicated environment anymore where variables are known and and we can just come up with a a very sophisticated heuristic that will, will solve a problem. We've pivoted into this complex space. And that means it's a constant movement in a direction, hopefully one of growth. But the destination is less important, always unclear and ever emerging. And you're never on a direct path to it. You're mm. always course correcting. There, there's I mean, this idea in sailing called tacking. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is, it, it extends this metaphor even more, which I don't think there's anything about that in the book, but that's where your desired course is in the wind. So you have to turn, it's turned so that you actually move in against the wind and you're adapting to wind blowing changes from one side of the boat to the other. Mm. And you still make progress in the desired direction, but you're completely like if you didn't know that wind was a thing, you're like, how is the boat moving in that direction while it's pointed in this kind of bizarre angle? And I think that's a, while you're talking about growth and navigating a complex environment that has some macro impacts like COVID, the zigzag fashion that you might sail a boat with using attacking type maneuver, I think is also appropriate here where you're not really going to get from point A to point B in a straight line. Yeah, there that resonates with me as an example of emergence in both leadership style and market resilience and strategy. This idea of catching, of tacking, of, of pivoting so that you're sailing into the wind. And then the point that you started the conversation with, which is I took some time to disconnect and detach, not to leisure, not to laziness, but I was off actually being active, but it was very energizing. That fits this story. Your experience is correlated with the idea around here of you took some time to, again, move into the you know purpose, love, exploration area, unfurled your sails a little bit to use Scott Barry Kaufman's analogy, and it unlocked some of this other some of these other like mental thoughts and cycles that allowed you to go and, and be productive in this more open, growth-oriented, creative type space. Yep, that's exactly right. Very interesting. So the, one, one quote he says is, every now and then when we're really catching the wind, when we aren't preoccupied with our basic needs and we are moving purposefully in a direction with the spirit of exploration and love, we can experience transcendence. And that's the top of the, the framework. Transcendence goes beyond individual growth and allows for the highest levels of unity and harmony within oneself and within the world. Transcendence, which rests on a secure foundation of both security and growth, so you need both working together, allows us to attain wisdom and a sense of connectedness and synergy with the best of humanity. Like that kind of really ties it all back together. Yeah, yeah. It'll remain to be seen how we use this as a, a test for ourselves of something that does allow us to, to be energized. I'm reading another little quote here that around like, when you say about our connection to humanity, this one phrase talks about integration within oneself contributing to something meaningful in the world. Well, you're only able to do that if you're embracing how these different states work together, security and growth, and how to keep them all strong or keep them all, you know, to use the metaphor, from functional and from getting holes in them. And the integration idea 
and contributing something meaningful, that can take so many forms. I, I was joking with my wife, when you sign in and out for the volunteer thing, when you sign out, it says, hey, you've saved the city of Dallas $200. And basically, they value your time at $20 an hour. But the idea around, we were doing very manual labor, basically low quote-unquote value work that actually created these thoughts and feelings of high meaning because of, we were helping other humans. And I think that that idea, it's like it unlocked it unlocks some of this top sale type feelings. And yeah. I think that's going to be a very slow process for us as individuals and organizations is to get back into kind of outside of the security space, just focusing on the security side like we did in, in 2019. Yeah, I agree. Mentally, I'm poking at this a little bit from the perspective of the stock market, shareholder primacy, the standard goals that tend to drive an organization or a publicly traded organization that we know don't only work for a very small number of people. I don't, I wonder how these will overlay. Yeah, same. I, I think from a personal standpoint, when you think about this metaphor for you as an individual, it makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure as a leader, and I have a, a team full of sailboats to extend the analogy here. What do you do about different boats are in different shapes and conditions and yeah. th those kind of things. Yeah. So, And I can see how this for a team, a collective, and for then a broader collective, a company, there's a strong argument to say this is the how, but the what is still the same. The what is still financial and economic strength and growth because everyone benefits from that. So if that assumption is a correct one, then the application would be on the level to which one could apply this in their organization, in their team. Very interesting. I like it. This is very cool. Yeah, I got the book. And now that we're both list. rested, we can be creative enough to have a point of view on this. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. <laughs> I'm glad we went down this path today. I wasn't expecting to talk about this, but I think it was a good diversion. Yeah, probably meant to be, given that we were both experiencing something very, very different and refreshing yep. right now. This is super cool. The book's next on my list. Excellent. Got to finish another one first, but that you one's can't first. can't have too many active at a time. Yeah, I've always got two going, but one is fic always fiction. So it's like that a nice, you know, brain rest. Sort yes, of thing. brain rest. Yeah, I like that. Cool. <laughs> um, next yeah, week, thank I think. You for this. Sure. Next week, I think we'll continue the breaking down the minimally viable crisis leadership mm -hmm. model. Yes, yeah, we'll that start good. with decide. Awesome. All right, it was great seeing good. you today. Yeah, good to see you too. Thanks awesome. again for pivoting so nicely into this very, yeah, hot and top of mind. Pivot, so. Yeah, it was fun. I'm glad cool. it was helpful. All right, talk uh -huh. to you soon. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.